I'm Jack Zemlicka, and welcome to this episode of our 2019 Strip-Till Farmer Podcast Series. In today's program, we share some experience-based tips from West Brooklyn, Illinois strip-tiller Dave DeLotel on setting up and executing an efficient, effective spring planting program. If this is your first time joining us, I'd encourage you to subscribe to this series, currently available in iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and Spotify. Or if there's another app you prefer for listening to podcasts, let us know, and we'll make every effort to get it added. And a reminder that by subscribing, that will allow you to get alerts when upcoming episodes in this series are released. Thanks again to TopCon Agriculture for its support of this podcast series. Agronomy Matters and TopCon Agriculture application solutions make it work. From planning to precision machine control, NORAX boom height control, monitoring and mapping to data management, you have the total set of solutions to maximize your agronomic plan. Find out how to make the most of your 4R nutrient stewardship with precision technology that is unmatched in ease of use. Visit them at topconpositioning.com slash growing solutions. Well, strip tillers often talk about the need to be more sensible with their seed placement and planter setups to create an increasingly responsive environment for initial plant growth. But how vigilant are farmers about inspecting, maintaining, or even replacing the equipment and technology they rely on to turn those several inches of optimal planting space into higher yields? Veteran strip-tiller Dave DeLotel is meticulous in his preparation ahead of planting, checking every cable connection, grease fitting, and attachment to ensure his machinery meets expectations once it's in the field. In today's Strip-Till Farmer podcast, Dave details his annual checklist ahead of planting, along with mistakes made and lessons learned for optimizing equipment and technology performance. So, whenever it comes to strip till, as opposed to conventional tillage and and other systems like that, obviously we're expecting a lot more out of our equipment. You know, we're running in a lot tougher conditions, so as I mentioned, since we're running under those, since we're running under those conditions, we're expecting a lot more of our equipment. Obviously, in my experience, we're going to find a lot of those flaws a lot sooner. For example, you know, running in tall corn stalks, stuff like that. We're in a conventional tillage system where we had cables and stuff hanging down. You know, that wouldn't have affected it. But obviously, a corn stalk is going to come right in and rip a lot of that stuff off. Just you know, one example. Then also, as equipment gets bigger, our mistakes are spread across more acres. Um, so obviously it's nice to have that great big planter and be able to get done planting in a couple of weeks, but just one little, one little mistake like having a broken spring on a closing wheel or something like that, you know, I'm sure every single one of us in this room has planted in 80 and then got off and filled with seed and, you know, walk around the planter and, you know, you kind of wonder like, did that, did that spring fall off? last round or was it two fields ago or when was that? It's kind of one of the one of the things I like to look at really really closely when we're going over our planter in the winter just to uh, uh, just to try to eliminate that. One thing I was going to ask you obviously you know breakdowns you know breakdowns cost a lot of money let's face it you know you're it doesn't matter what it is you know it's lost time lost production um, you know then at the end of the day you don't meet your quota and obviously if you have multiple breakdowns in the spring that's going to add up after time. So we'll kind of start from the front to the back. You know, disc openers are one thing that, in my opinion, get overlooked a lot more than they when they really should not be. 
Uh, I can't tell you how many guys, at least around our area, will trade, will use a planter for four or five years, trade off, and never even put openers on it. Openers, in my personal opinion, are relatively cheap for what they're for what they're doing price-wise. So we try to we try to replace them at least every other year. Like I said, try at least measure and see what what they're measuring and stuff like that, and see if they need to be see see if they need to be replaced or not. Obviously, we want to check the seed tubes for wear, especially at the bottom. Sometimes it'll start getting worn. It'll either start dropping the seed in the trench prematurely, or I've actually seen them where they on customers' planters where they get really, really worn, and those sides will actually start kind of collapsing in on themselves. Then the seed is kind of coming by and clipping that side and not getting placed in the uh, in the bottom of the seed trench where it should be. Uh, like I just mentioned, closing system. I feel like that's something that kind of gets overlooked certain times when it really should not be. You know, we go through so much work and in having a nice row cleaner, putting the seed in the ground, and then I can't tell you how many times I've seen on guys' planters where they either have uh, weak closing springs or they have smooth wheels and they're trying to no-till when they should have some sort of a notch system or, you know, and then they're not closing the seed trench and stuff like that. I think this is you know, pretty basic as well, you know, get your meters run with a good, a good person who knows how to do that. One example is the guy that does our meters. He might do it a little bit extreme, but he'll actually go through and make like a laminated book row by row of what each meter ran, what he replaced in it, stuff like that. So it's kind of nice to, to have someone that's that thorough. And obviously everybody owns a grease gun, just grease all the zergs, but I don't really need to tell you that. But um, and like I said, this is just kind of a, a quick overview of my list. This is another thing that I feel like as time goes on, people struggle with more and more is check, double check, triple check your measurements, your clutch settings, your drive settings, all that stuff. And my biggest thing is, is that once all that stuff is, is in check and where you want it, grab a flash drive and back it up because you never know if your display is going to crash or you're going to have to, or you just really never know. Rebuilding that whole entire planter profile in the middle of the season is not fun, and it usually, in my experience, does not get done correctly whenever, you, whenever you're trying to hurry to get something set back up. And then, like I said, make sure all your hybrids, clients, fields, etc., are loaded on your display before you even start, rather than trying to... To me, it's, it's easier to load your hybrids, for example, in advance, rather than trying to do it in the season, then all of a sudden you've got different funky names for your hybrids because you're in a hurry and not putting them in correctly, things like that. You know, loose bolts, especially in strip till and a lot of rocks and stuff like that and vibration. You can, in all honesty, since we've started strip till and I've seen bolts loosen up that I've never ever seen loosen up before. Um, and that's, a, that's another thing that can get kind of irritating if you're not watching it. Hydraulic hoses. As we know, I mean, everything on a planter is hydraulic anymore. And it, we just keep adding more and more stuff every year. You know, by the time you get you know, one or two liquid fertilizer products, drives, obviously electric's becoming popular, but there's still a lot of hydraulic drives out there. That combined with a lot of these tractors, you know, we're pushing 60, 65 gallons a minute through them. Um, it really doesn't take long to empty a tractor whenever you blow a hose. And I've had that unfortunate experience several times. Make sure your fertilizer systems are in top notch. It's easier to find leaks with water than it is with 32. Um, I think we all, we all know that pretty well. You know, row cleaners. I know that's another weak. That's another weak spot that we all struggle with. It's easier to find find bearings that need to be replaced ahead of time rather than finding the row cleaner in, in a tire or something like that. Come harvest time or scooping it up with the bean head. And then obviously, you know, 
check tire pressure, things like that. We'll start with the disc openers here. He was talking about planter, you know, planter checkups and stuff like that, but uh, this is the method that I use to check disc opener clearance and wear and stuff like that. So number one, obviously, new openers are 15 inches. We like to replace them around 14.5 or so, but like I said, unfortunately, you may measure them and that might not get to 14.5 until the middle of the season or something like that. So we just, it's just an automatic every other year for us, just replace them. You know, the opener, unfortunately, the openers get cheaper and cheaper all the time. So the bearings don't last as long as they used to. So it doesn't really matter if you just replace them every other year. Like I said, I like to use the business card trick for the clearance. So, you know, put a business card in the top side, bottom side, and it should measure I think right around inch and three quarters. I actually didn't put that in my slide, but if I remember from memory, it should be right around there. Um, that's a, a pretty important setting as well. You know, because if those openers are too far apart, you're gonna have soil sneaking through and then you're gonna kind of have like a funny shaped seed trench and then obviously you're not gonna be able to lay that seed right in the bottom of the trench like you want to. Another thing is, uh, you know, even if you don't replace your openers every other year or every year, we always take all of our gauge wheels off and reshim the openers every year. You'd be shocked at how 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 much of a difference that makes because you know you get them all shimmed up where they need to be. The openers wear slightly after a season, and you're probably going to remove shims and uh, snap the openers in a little bit more. We'll hear more from Dave in a moment, but I wanted to once again thank our sponsor, Topcon Agriculture, for making this podcast series possible. I also wanted to remind you about the series featured monthly on our podcast, Tech Tips, with Dr. Ray Acevedo, where the former assistant professor of precision agriculture at Kansas State University and agronomic consultant for TopCon, shares insights and advice on some of the latest precision tools and how to best implement them on your operation. You can listen to past technology tips and also find accompanying articles at striptillfarmer.com. Let's get back to the program now and hear more from Dave DeLotel as he talks about the importance of checking and double-checking hydraulic hose connections on your planter. Everything's hydraulic, everything's electronic on these planters, and each one of those components can cause a tremendous amount of downtime, especially when it comes to electronics, frustrating downtime. If you've got a harness that's sitting there hitting corn stalks all day and then all of a sudden you've got a wire that's that's loose in a Deutz connector or something like that, I've had it before where I've spent seven or eight hours just to find a, a loose pin in a Deutz connector that really could have been prevented by having the harness up out of the way where it was not going to get hit by corn stalks or anything like that. My biggest thing is, you know, especially when you're putting new stuff on your planter, if you think you need one zip tie on that harness, use two or three. Out of curiosity, I kind of kept track of how many zip ties we went through this winter in the shop. I think we went between, we went through between three and 4,000 zip ties on both of our planters. We did a bunch of projects to both of them and changed some stuff around and stuff like that. Like I said, I like to look at all my hydraulic hoses really, really close because obviously, as you all know, these manufacturers have hydraulic hoses routed in, inside the frame, outside the frame, and there's a lot of different wear points that can uh, wear the outside of that hose off. My biggest thing is if you can see the wire, replace the hose because the rubber is obviously there to protect the wire, but also does provide some sort of some strength. And especially if you're working with liquid fertilizer, the second that fertilizer hits it, the wire's going to start rusting, and you're going to have a you're going to have a mess on your hands in um, in no time. And in fact, the uh, 
we actually, no matter how much, and unfortunately, no matter how much inspection you, you can do, you do during the winter, it can still happen. And as you know, like I said, these planters are getting more and more complicated all the time with different hoses, wires, and stuff like that. I think uh, even though we always try to try to find all the diff all the uh, ho worn out hoses, hopefully before we go to the field, I think we still blew at least one hose on each on each planter this spring and um, went through probably between 60 and 80 gallons of hydraulic oil between the two. So, like I said, it's it might seem insignificant, but it's an expensive breakdown. Uh, so one of the things too that I'm a big fan of is if you have a hydraulic hose or a fertilizer tube that kind of contacts the frame, I always like to take a little piece of 3-8 sprayer hose or something like that um, and kind of wrap it around it. Uh, like I said, there again, it's kind of a simple thing, but it's something I really like to do. So like in that, in that case right there for our fertilizer tubes, with that, that little piece of hose there, that hose is going to sit there and it's just going to rub on that little bolt back and forth until you have a pinhole and then... Unfortunately, that's actually in a spot where you can't see very well, and of course, you'll have a mess. And like I mentioned, especially with corn stalks, you want to keep all your harnesses, wires, and everything like that all tied up to where they should be. Kind of a weak spot, because, you know, we've got these really, really expensive advanced tractors, these really, really expensive planters, but there's really, you know, I've always struggled with what are we supposed to do with all the hydraulic hoses and wires and stuff like that. I mean, I'm sure we all have a a tarp strap on, the, on our three points where we tie hoses and stuff like that up. And like I said, here again, just a little simple thing that I wanted to share with you guys, but I always try to put some sort of these holders on all of our three points just so we have something solid to kind of run the hoses in and we're not going to worry about them falling out and getting pinched and stuff like that. As I mentioned, this is actually kind of what I always look for. Uh, that's going to be the very, very first spot that that hydraulic hose is going to wear in. And like I said, that's a really, really easy thing to overlook, and it can cost you a lot of downtime, unfortunately. I mean, you would think, okay, replacing the hydraulic hose, it's not that big a deal, but um, anyone that's been around one of these 1770 planters like this, as you know, you know, the hose goes in the tube, you know, 40 foot back to the center of the planter, and then it goes into this big menagerie of stuff into a valve, and um, it's not that big a deal, but it's just time-consuming, unfortunately, trying to get the old hose out, new hose in, and everything like that. And like I said, I just kind of included a couple pic different pictures on how I like to keep stuff clean, organized, everything like that. Because, uh, like I said, especially around corn stalks and stuff like that, stuff usually doesn't stay that nice unless you keep it nice from the get-go. Biggest thing, too, is whenever you're, you're adding all these different, these different things, these planters nowadays, always be observant of your your hinge points and stuff like that and try not to route any extra hoses wires anything like that where it's going to get pinched or tore off or anything like that i always like to say too that clean installs stay clean so if you zip tie everything up from the get-go in my experience it's usually going to stay it's usually going to stay that way if you do a good job the first time rather than going back and trying to patch stuff together multiple times over another important Part of your adjustments and checklist and everything like that is the gauge wheel to opener clearance. So when you get in certain conditions, I think obviously we all know you can get build up inside of that gauge wheel. And then of course, after you get it built up enough, then the gauge wheel's back there plowing. And usually during the day, it's fine. It usually happens at about midnight. And it's usually the, the row right behind the tractor where you can't see it, you know, until, until you turn around and, and, uh, and see that you've got one plowing. So I always like to set that about an eighth of an inch or so. 
and again, that's something that we're that we're uh, taking our wheels apart. We're checking that every single year, adding it to the list. It might seem overkill to do all this stuff year after year after year. In my experience, anytime it seems like we we don't check some little detail like this, we always regret it later on, and we end up, you know, reshimming our gauge wheels when we're out in the field and stuff like that. Um, the other important, the other reason why it's really really important to reshim these gauge wheels every year is it gives you a chance to at least check the bearing because uh, we all know nowadays since everything's made in China the quality of our bearings and everything else just gets worse and worse and worse every year it seems like and stuff doesn't last as long as it used to so it's always nice to be able to check all that stuff ahead of time and not have to worry about tearing stuff apart when you're out in the field um, working on your planter when you actually should be using it. I always like to go through the the closing system um, pretty closely as well. First thing, I always like to check the actual alignment of the closing wheels with the disc openers. I know this can kind of cause some confusion because certain generations of deer planters used to be able to kind of adjust those with a little elliptical deal. Later models, they kind of went away from that. And then there's also different variants in between brands of planters. I don't have any pictures of it, but I, I did actually make, I, I believe if I remember correctly, the year of our planter, um, they got rid of the elliptical thing and they went back to just a straight bushing. I actually ended up making some kind of elliptical deals like the older, older planters had. I don't have any pictures of that, but I always try to check to at least make sure that everything is running in line where it should be. Um, the biggest problem with that is when stuff starts getting worn, your closing wheels are running to one side or the other, then rather than having the equal pressure on the seed trench um, closing it, you know, you might have have the wheels off to one side, then you're just kind of like chipping the side of the seed trench and, in my opinion, not doing a very good job of closing. Um, so that's something I always try to look at really, really closely. In addition, you know, take your closing wheel frame and kind of wiggle it back and forth. Check for where there, there are some replaceable replacement bushings that you can put in there to tighten that back up. So that's one thing to, to really look at really close. Uh, as I mentioned before, the other thing that, that, and I don't know if it's just because we're really lucky, but something that seems to happen, that always seemed to happen to us a lot in the past, is there's a pin that holds this arm here, the, uh, the adjustment arm for the spring. Um, in the past, we've always had a tremendous amount of problems with that pin popping out. And then, like I said, there's basically no pressure on the closing wheel whatsoever. And you're not closing the seed trench. So I like to go along and there's a little cotter pin that holds that, that holds the pin in. I like to go around and replace those cotter pins every year because as it sits there and works and works and works, that cotter pin gets thinner and thinner and thinner. And then that, that pin will just drop out. Your spring will drop to the ground and now you don't have any, uh, closing down force. So like I said, it's the thing I struggle with is the, the closing system of these planters is almost crude to a certain point, but in my opinion, it's one of the most important parts of the planter. Um, so like I said, it's, it's well worth the time to at least go through and inspect everything and see what it looks like and everything like that. In addition, if your closing wheels are getting war, like the rubber's getting war around them and stuff like that, at least in the side-by-sides that, that we've done, I would highly suggest maybe looking into some sort of a spike closing wheel or something like that. Um, and the reason for that is obviously we always try to plant in perfectly ideal conditions, but if you farm, I know there's probably some of you in here that farm ground like we do where the field is never 100% fit, it's always about 95% fit. 
the, the thing I like about those spike closing wheels is it allows you to do a, a really, really good job of closing the seed trench no matter what the conditions are. There's a couple other little advantages to them as well. Like I said, it, as long as you're looking at your closing wheels and if they are wore, just rather than going back to stock, it might be a good idea to kind of look, at, look and see what else is out there on the market. Uh, so we've been running those for two seasons now. No, no damage to ones whatsoever. So there is, there's a couple different brands brands out there, and without, because I, I really don't like putting putting any money down. You know what I'm saying? But there are different brands of plastic spikes out there. Some of them, in my personal opinion, are don't have enough meat on the spike. Some of them are a little bit better than others, if you know what I'm saying. And in, in addition, if you've got super abrasive soils, like I've got some buddies that farm up in Michigan where they farm some super abrasive sand, um, no matter what kind of plastic spike closing wheel they run, it's just a no-go up there. I mean, one season and they're done. So I mean, at that, at that point, correct. So at that point in time, I would highly suggest looking at something like a, a cast spiked closing wheel um, over the plastic. The plastics, yeah, they they work very very well, definitely. So and and we we run uh, one brand on our corn planter. We've got another brand on our bean planter, and we you know they they both got pluses and minuses, I guess. Um, but like I said, they're we've had pretty decent performance out of out of both brands. So. Thank you, Dave, for sharing some of the key checklist items to prepare for planting into your strip-tilled fields. And again, we'd like to recognize and thank our sponsor, TopCon Agriculture, for helping make this Strip-Till Farmer podcast series possible. I certainly look forward to your feedback on today's program, so feel free to drop me an email at jzemlicka at lessetermedia.com or give me a call at 262-777-2441. And if you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to this podcast series in iTunes, the Google Play Store, or Spotify to get an alert when future episodes are released. You can also keep up on the latest strip-till practices impacting your farm today by registering online at striptillfarmer.com for our free Strip-Till Strategies daily e-newsletter. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at striptillfarmr and on our Strip-Till Farmer Facebook page. Well, I hope that you'll join us again for the next episode in our 2019 podcast series. And a reminder that you can check out our striptillfarmer.com slash NSTC for recent news and updates on our annual National Strip Tillage Conference. For Dave DeLotel, Topcon Agriculture, and our entire staff here at Strip Till Farmer, I'm Jack Zemlicka. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.